You're listening to Radio Free Ann Arbor. WCBN FM. Ann Arbor, Michigan. Aren't you glad? Well, uh, <clears throat> you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. I think Jim will probably be joining me shortly here. Parking, sometimes an issue in the summer. <laughs> anyway, beautiful weather. Uh, there's a late-breaking story, by the way, that I heard as I was leaving my house that apparently the Washington Post is reporting that Donald Trump, uh, last week when he met with the Russians, apparently uh, revealed classified information in the process of bragging about himself. Uh, I think this is where we're at here with Donald Trump. Uh, this is probably the most surrealistic uh, week of Trump's presidency. Um, just last week, we were speculating a little bit about the possible revelations of fired acting Attorney General Sally Yates. Let's quickly review. Uh, on the 30th of January, Donald Trump fired acting Attorney General Sally Yates. Uh, Jeff Sessions had not yet been confirmed as Attorney General. The alleged uh, explanation at the time was that she was not going to support the travel ban. The travel ban was a hastily arranged executive order that Trump dropped on, well, the world, quite frankly. Uh, seven days into his presidency at about 4.40 in the afternoon on Friday night. So the ensuing chaos, the protests, the eventual lawsuits, the whole thing, um, sort of dominated the next three or four weeks of Trump's presidency. Sally Yates was fired uh, allegedly for refusing to back up the quote travel ban. I think that explanation now needs to be examined uh, in its entirety. And as for Trump's predicament at this point, uh, we are in unprecedented territory here. Uh, Richard Nixon fired the special prosecutor uh, investigating Watergate back in 1973. Um, of course, technically, the firing was Robert was was perpetrated by Robert Bork uh, as the attorney general at the time. Elliot Richardson resigned. His assistant resigned, uh, William Ruckelshaus. Uh, they were viewed as heroes for standing up to Richard Nixon. Robert Bork did the dirty deed. And that, of course, came back to haunt him when he was uh, at one point named as a possible Supreme Court nominee by Ronald Reagan. This was part of the baggage that Robert Bork had. Of course, there are other famous firings by presidents. They usually don't turn out well for presidents. Uh, probably the most famous in American history, by the way, is the firing of uh, George McClellan, General George McClellan by uh, Abraham Lincoln. That involved war strategy and his refusal to attack, his excuses, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Truman MacArthur. That was another one I was going to mention. And, of course, Ronald Reagan fired uh, Oliver North and... John Poindexter, uh, which was part of the Iran-Contra scandal. But uh, even the MacArthur firing uh, at the time, uh, of course, hurt Truman because uh, MacArthur oh, indeed, yeah. was able to weasel his way through, ironically, congressional hearings. 
Uh, the Republican Party controlled Congress at the time, and MacArthur actually addressed Congress. He was regarded as an American hero for good reason, uh, but he also had defied an, a direct presidential order back during the presidency of Herbert Hoover when he was told not to attack the Veterans Bonus Army, and he did so. So Truman's grounds for firing MacArthur uh, related to MacArthur's desire to bring China into the Korean War. China had massed a million troops at the Yalu River border, and uh, Truman told him not to entice the Chinese to cross the border. MacArthur defied him, and that's actually the factual details of that firing. MacArthur was wrong, and Truman, who of course knew the history of the Veterans Bonus March, he was a World War I veteran, was not going to permit Douglas MacArthur to defy a direct order from him. <laughs> you might say he had uh, exceeded his authority. That's right. <laughs> Mandrake. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I think we're looking at uh, Grandpa Gate here. Uh, there's an element of Trump at this point that's gone beyond. Uh, and, of course, I called for him to resign uh, several months ago. That was when he made the unsubstantiated allegations that his predecessor, President Barack Obama, had bugged him. Uh, he's produced no evidence about that. And now, of course, he seems to suggest that he may have some tapes himself, apparently. Right. I mean, how brilliant. <laughs> He's all you... over the place. Well, I mean, what a week. He has Kissinger in for a briefing the next day after firing well, uh, James uh, Comey. Let's talk about that visit with the Russians. As I was getting out of the car, I heard you mention the, uh, the late-breaking story yeah. of the Post that uh, apparently he revealed classified information while in the meeting. Uh, so... Uh, of course, the media have been having a real head scratcher with this one because it's you have to wonder, is this how does this happen? How yeah. does this happen that the day after you fire the guy leading the investigation into collusion of Russia with the Trump campaign, that you have the Russian foreign minister and the Russian ambassador? One of those guys is intimately tied up in the spying aspect of sure. the investigation. Just a lock into the Oval Office, and no American press allowed. So all the images that we see in papers and that were broadcast on TV were courtesy of TASS. Yeah. In other words, you want these images, you pay Russia for the rights to reproduce these images. Everybody's saying, can they really be that stupid? Can they really be that stupid? And while, yes, I think they might really be that stupid, yeah. there's another... A part of me that thinks, no, this is just a big, big double finger held up, middle finger. I'm in the studio here, flipping off the microphone. That's right. That's right. That's what this feels like to me. Sure. That, uh, hey, everybody. And, of course, the next day, Rush Limbaugh is laughing and a crackling and cackling and pounding his uh, high chair uh, desktop and saying, this is great, you know Trump's loving this, it's the ultimate troll of the liberals. Yeah. So, like, whether or not this is beyond the pale and into completely treasonous behavior, or 
you know, how can he celebrate this? This how is this in America's interests? Well, the thing is, is that to firing, have this meeting, yeah, and and firing the FBI director is a is a, is a major act. I'd like to correct the official record that there were virtually no Democrats that called for Comey's firing or resignation. In fact, the record showed there were a grand total of two: Harry Reid, former majority leader. I mean, minority leader. He was majority leader at one point, as well. But uh, he uh, he uh, he did it on his way out of office. So he's not even in Congress. And the other, the only other uh, member of Congress that had actually called for uh, Comey's uh, firing was uh, a, a congressman from Tennessee, and I want to say his name is Cohen. Um, but I'll have to check on that. Also, by the way, I did want to correct one minor mistake I made last week. It did turn out that Richard Nixon did get 60 percent of the vote in 1972. Huh. I think I mentioned that the only uh, three people that had gotten over six. This was in reference to the French election. Just a minor ah. mistake there. Richard Nixon got 60.028 percent, I guess. Uh, anyway, um, but well, yeah, there. Nixon is, of course, the ghost of Nixon. Many of the congressional reactions, of course, were Nixonian mm. um, for good reason. Uh, William Sessions was fired by Bill Clinton, but they conducted an extensive, lengthy investigation into his handling of his expense account. He basically was... Uh, Stealing from the till, as they say, using taxpayer money to uh, uh, finance personal stuff and f fudging, you know, air airline ticket receipts, et cetera, et cetera, the kind of stuff that you wouldn't think the head of the FBI would <laughs> stoop to. Nickel and diving the American people. Well, Jagger Hoover did a lot of that, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, it, it is not, uh, the political figures do not stick their neck out uh, suggesting that the head of the FBI be fired. So Trump's surprise that there was not uh, a parade in the Democratic Party over this event <laughs> strikes me as a little naive. Well, it's also bizarre that the first rationale given for the firing is the suggestion that, oh, well, he mishandled the Hillary thing. Yeah. Like... Trump gives a crap about that. Right. <laughs> Which, of course, he did mishandle the Hillary thing. But, uh, you know, his eventual explanation is that he's a showboater. He's a grandstander. There's only room in uh, Washington for, <laughs> for one. one. <laughs> Nobody out showboats me. Grandstander and showboater. Old man river. He just keeps rolling. Uh, Paul, well, the way Lavrov's got a yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, the ghost of Paul Robeson is uh, probably <laughs> very, very confused at this moment because, of course, his career was destroyed because of his affinity for uh, left-wing causes and uh, many travels to Russia, and uh, an extensive uh, Jagger Hoover FBI file. Right. So political so, figures don't stick their neck out calling for the termination of the FBI agent and the notion that. Comey went in and told Trump that he wasn't the target of an investigation. Oh, yeah, like that happened. That never happened. I mean, that's just imaginary rubbish. 
uh, which, of course, makes this all the more troubling. Well, doesn't Comey get to testify? The Senate have called him to speak, I think, next week. Yeah, I think he's basically postponing uh, his uh, appearance for the next couple of weeks, but he's eventually going to, quote, tell his side of the story. But you have the acting director of the FBI, who's under consideration uh, for the uh, the second job that Donald Trump has created during his administration. <laughs> the first being uh, he created a position for CEO of Exxon, Exxon Mobil uh, by appointing Rex Tillerson. The, you know, the can't getting the story straight is just remarkable confusion and delusion. And to have Sean Spicer, <laughs> poor guy. Well, he took that little leave for some naval... Uh like reserve type of duties. Yeah, and I have this sneaky hunch he's going to be the first one to resign. Yeah, I think this is, you know, uh, if he's got a Naval Reserve duty, well, I salute him for being a good American and having that volunteer aspect to him, but the timing of it suggests it might be some sort of stress-related, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here. That's right. Hiding in the bushes. Hiding in the bushes, giving a press conference. How poetic. In front of the hedges. <laughs> Louis XIV sculpted hedges, no, right. no doubt. <laughs> uh, he just needed his little powdered wig He's to right uh, there. It's, it's, it, blend the, in the, with the servers. The image is incredible. <sighs> and, you know, up. the suggestion that, you know, <clears throat> Trump, of course, in the face of the uh, complete debacle of the uh, rollout of this from every spokesman who spoke, well, maybe we should just get rid of these things altogether, and I do it myself every couple of weeks. Um, well, that'll be great. I know yeah. the Sean Spicer show is a very highly rated uh, laugh fest for people who uh, like their shock comedy uh, in the afternoons. Well, it's the, but, uh, it's the only humor going in Washington. <laughs> Trump is utterly humorless. Uh, well, that's for sure, yeah. Good Lord. I mean— uh, yeah, yeah, and and oh, the reemergence of Kellyanne Conway. She's been. <laughs> yeah, they even had to pull her off the shelf uh, to throw her on television with uh, <clears throat> more inaccurate information. But uh, if if Trump wants to get rid of the uh, press conferences altogether, uh, part of me, you know, weeks ago was saying, what's the point of these things at the moment anyway? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, historically, they've been very useful outlets uh, and opportunities for exchange from the inquisitive nature of a, of a fired-up press. Obviously, the the standard uh, used to be the Nixon relationship with the press for probably the all-time worst relationship between a chief executive of the United States and the media. Sure. Uh, but this takes that way, way down the line. Um, Though Trump, in some ways, has even superseded Nixon. I mean, let's recall it. In fact, we're, I've got it right here when he, uh, in February, called the press the enemy of the people. Right. Uh, his tweets uh, continue to fly. The intelligence agencies are Nazis, and yeah. the press are the enemy of the people. Enemy of the people. Here but it is. coal dust in your drinking water is your friend. This was when uh, Donald Trump was having a hissy fit uh, over the... Uh, resignation. Interesting that Michael Flynn was allowed to resign, by the way. Sally Yates was fired. Uh, so were 40 uh, uh, prosecutors around the, the, the country, including uh, the uh, New York prosecutor in, uh, in the 2nd District of New York that handles uh, 
terrorism cases and, of course, uh, corruption and fraud, <laughs> corruption, fraud, Wall Street uh, and the mafia. And, of course, what we're seeing from the Trump administration is sort of a vicarious form of gangsta Trump. It's gangsta funk. It's gangsta Trump. Uh, I uh, will also call on the Attorney General of the United States to resign. Yeah, that's... Jeffrey Sessions, what's he doing involved in, quote, making a... I have agreed to recuse myself, (laughs) right? Oh, I forgot I did that, so I can now (laughs) participate in the dismissal of the head of that investigation. Right, and of course, there's rumors that the uh, author of uh, the memo that was was put out there as the sort of... uh, just cause reason for Comey's dismissal was a setup. Uh, uh, and it was. I, I don't think there's any question that uh, Comey got into hot water with Trump when he went before Congress back in early March and testified uh, that he did not think Barack Obama, he said there was no evidence to support the president's tweet. Of course, that was one of his Numerous tweets that's, uh, that he can't come up with any evidence on. As for the connection between Russia and the election, uh, you know, that's, that's tenuous. But uh, let's remember that it was Donald Trump who promoted uh, the idea of encouraging the Russians to uh, leave. I hope they do it. Yeah. He actually, on the campaign trail, I had to go look this up. You will recall that the chronology of this, by the way, is that the the leaks, uh, the DNC leaks, were leaked on the eve of the Democratic Convention back in uh, late July of uh, last year. Um, and this was done to disrupt the Democrat, an attempt to disrupt the Democratic Convention. It was done to support the Bernie uh, Brigade. And of course, for a day or two, there was a little bit of chaos, but the Democrats moved on. And then on the very day that Barack Obama was to address uh, the Democratic Convention, Donald Trump was in Doral, Florida, encouraging the Russians to, uh, this is what he said, Russia, if you are listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. I think you will probably be rewarded mightily by our press. Of course, there weren't any missing emails. Uh, there, there were, there were leaked emails. Uh, deleting emails, to my knowledge, is not a crime, unless they've maybe been subpoenaed, and I don't even know that you can delete them anyway. Uh, there's a mystery about that. But as it turned out, Russia was apparently listening. Well, they were listening, and of course, so was Julian Assange. And this is how this whole thing worked. What's very interesting about this uh, appearance in Doral, uh, Florida, is that uh, it was done, as I mentioned, the day that Barack Obama was scheduled to address uh, the Democratic Convention. Traditionally, by the way, the, the parties have sort of taken the week off. Uh, Trump had a little advantage this year. The Republicans had their convention first, so the Democrats weren't out there campaigning. But Donald Trump broke that tradition. Um, I guess that's a new uh, norm that will change in the future. It seems like if 
was kind of a gentleman's agreement. We have this in the in in France, for instance. They don't do any campaigning the last day of the election. They have it in Great Britain. Same thing. They have five week campaigns, not campaigns that start the year before the the four year cycle. So I mean that's part of it. And uh, so Donald Trump has nobody to blame for but himself. He hired Paul Manafort. He hired Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn was one of his main surrogates. Michael Flynn addressed the Republican National Convention in the middle of July. He was brought out on stage repeatedly to yell about the emails, to make it look like there's some big cover-up. He's the one that claimed Hillary Clinton should go to jail. So did Michael Flynn. So did Giuliani. Giuliani was leaking was getting leaked information from the FBI uh, during the during the campaign. He, yeah, was, he made some sort of giggling warning like, oh, just wait, there's going to be something. There's going to be more. And, of course, there were selected leaks by Julian Assange throughout the period of July uh, 24th, which is when the first uh, uh, leak of these emails occurred. And this was an ongoing thing for the last 100 days of the campaign. Uh, did the Russians play a role in our election? Uh, no, but the media did. And the media was reporting that there's, you know, something fishy. There's some, there's a cover-up somewhere in this messy email situation. And it was never revealed what the emails were. Hillary Clinton's position, by the way, was release all the emails. She wasn't hiding any emails. There weren't any emails missing. There been some emails deleted. <laughs> Apparently they were personal email conversations, and I read some of the leaked emails. Man, was it fascinating gossip. It was, you know, office gossip. <laughs> National security, my eye. How interesting, by the way, that the report on the email and the DNC break-in was actually revealed on the 15th of June by David Sanger and Nick Corus Sanetti. I'll read this. This is fascinating. I found this in my obsessive ability to hold on to New York Times for four or five months, and then you say, whoa, this is how this all started. This is dated June 15th. 2016, the headline is Russian hackers penetrated DNC files, including Trump dossier, party says. So in other words, the Democratic Party apparently was the source to let the public know that the Russians had hacked their emails. And, of course, all these characters are named. Uh, Guccifer says, um, and it's connected to the Ukraine, says the connection to Russia may be explained. This is uh, David Sanger and Nick uh, Korosanati uh, reporting. The connection to Russia may be explained simply by the global fascination with the presidential campaign and the mystery surrounding Mr. Trump, who has not been a major subject of foreign intelligence collection. But it also recalls a subplot to the race. Paul Manafort, Mr. Trump's campaign chairman, 
previously advised the pro-Russian politicians in Ukraine and other parts of Eastern Europe, including former President Viktor Yanukovych of the Ukraine. Right there. Of course, now this story was, was on page A17 in the middle of June. It got no legs uh, for, for several weeks. Uh, but there's the information right there. This is the essence of the story right here. Um, that this was uh, basically, and I'll just read the uh, opening paragraph because it's fascinating. They write, two groups of Russian hackers working for competing government intelligence agencies penetrated computer systems of the DNC and gained access to emails, chats, and a trove of opposition research against Donald Trump, according to the party and cybersecurity firm. Now, the FBI had been alerted about this. So this reporting by David Sanger, who's the main uh, Washington, one of the main Washington uh, intelligence experts for the New York Times, um, is, is basically, <laughs> that's called leather shoe journalism. You know, he's mm. checking with sources in the DNC. He probably got some leaks from somebody in the FBI. They knew about this. The DNC had gone to the FBI and reported this. Um, Donald Trump's problems with Russia are of his own making. <laughs> and firing James Comey, that's not going to stop the investigation. And I'm indifferent as to who heads up the FBI. But I don't think it should be John Cornyn. That would be a catastrophe. Or Rudy Giuliani. Well, I think he's out of the running. I think so, too. I couldn't believe that uh, both he and Christie were actually named as potential well, Giuliani has got some other legal problems on his, uh, on his own of his behalf. Own, yeah. And let's just say, for the record, it's well established that Paul Manafort, Michael Flynn, and Carter Page are all under investigation for their contacts with uh, Ukrainian, Eastern European, Russian oligarchs, spies, whatever. Paul Manafort was quoted as saying, well, they don't wear badges. No, no, they don't wear badges. <laughs> but uh, we don't care about no stinking badges. badges. Um, as far as trying to uh, thwart any investigations go, uh, you know, trying to intimidate the FBI uh, is really only likely to guarantee more and more varied leaks. Yeah, well, the tapes. He, I mean, he actually accused. I mean, it's a staggering accusation. He better not have any tapes. Oh, now we're going we've gone from Kissinger to meeting the Russian ambassador to a discussion of tapes in the course of 3 days. Oh, uh, he should check and see if he's eating cottage cheese and pineapple for lunch, I think. Uh although that would be a big improvement health-wise on his uh snack food heavy diet. Although speaking of the fruit uh, plate, uh Time magazine reported that uh oh. When they, the when, double scoop yeah. of ice cream, yeah. When they had dinner with Donald Trump and Mike Pence, uh, Donald Trump had to get two scoops of ice cream, not well, one. His, his meal was just better in every way. More of this. Little A little extra, extra sauce for the chicken. Kiev. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they had chicken Kiev, and uh, yeah, Mike Pence had the, the fruit plate. 
It's reminiscent of Richard Nixon and the dollop of cottage cheese on the ring of pineapple. Richard Nixon's famous lunch. And as for Kissinger, there's no word if Trump and Kissinger got down on their knees and prayed. Well, when you're wheeling Dr. Strangelove in on the same afternoon that the Russians have been there, I'm sure the ghost of Nixon was somewhere in the hallway. Well, he was probably at that point playing Buck Buck Turchison, General Buck Turchison. Wait a minute, they're going to see the big board. And as for... uh, uh, trying to intimidate the FBI, uh, which is uh, part of this here. I mean, I don't think it's going to stop the investigation. Well, let's remember what the smoking gun was. The smoking gun tape, 23rd of June. Uh, Haldeman and Nixon, Oval Office, 1004 to 1139. And what are they talking about here? Haldeman. This, by the way, was the smoking gun tape that was revealed after the Supreme Court ruled eight to nothing against Richard Nixon. Uh, William Rehnquist recused himself. That's why it was eight to nothing. Uh, he was on the Supreme Court. The ruling being, you must turn over the tapes. You have to turn over the tapes. That was the dispute for over a, over a year, actually, because it was revealed that Nixon taped uh, in the Senate Watergate hearings uh, by Alexander Butterfield. <laughs> a name from the past. <laughs> Not to be confused with Butterfield 8. Anyway, Haldeman says, oh, that's fine. Uh, you know, now on the, and he's telling Nixon this. Now in the investigation, you know, the Democratic break-in thing, we're, we're back to the problem area because the FBI is not under control. Because Gray doesn't exactly know how to control them and their investigation. And he's now leading into some productive areas because they've been able to trace the money though uh, not through the money itself, but through the bank. And it goes in some directions we don't want it to go. And there have been some things, like an informant came off the street to the FBI in Miami, who was a photographer, uh, or has a friend who is a photographer, who developed some films for this guy, uh, Bernard Baker, and the films had pictures of the DNC committee letterhead. Mitchell came up yesterday and John Dean analyzed very carefully last night and concludes and concurs now with Mitchell's Mitchell's recommendation is that the only way to solve this thing is to have Deputy CIA Director Vernon Walters call Pat Gray and just say stay the hell out of this this is uh, business we don't want you to go any further on this this is not an unusual development this is basically the smoking gun tape couple days after the investigation. And by the way, L. Patrick Gray at the time was the acting director of the FBI. Jager Hoover had just died mm-hmm. uh, about six weeks earlier. So G- L. Patrick Gray was acting director of the FBI. And amazingly, in this conversation later, they start talking about Mark Felt, who turned out to be Deep Throat. Years, years later. Years later. Uh, everything old is... Shockingly new again uh, here at the end of the program and at the top of the hour, it is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Of course, stay tuned for Yazoo City Calling coming up next. Uh, I want to thank the DJ who cannot be named for engineering, and I just want to quickly throw this phrase in. It's a great phrase from Frank Bruni's Sunday piece, and he's wondering out loud, 
about the, quote, sustained indulgence that the Republicans in Congress have for Donald Trump. And what a baffling mystery that is. Sustained indulgence. Yeah, the 